Tonight, hundreds of wildfires in Canada are still burning out of control. And while the hazardous smoke is finally easing up, it's all raising concerns over whether dangerous air could be the new normal. Ann Thompson reports. The ominous hue that dominated skylines in the Northeast today finally dissipated. The Washington Monument soars again. New York's Empire State Building now gleams. And the city of brotherly love breathes easier. Tonight, 64 million Americans remain under air quality alerts as more than 400 wildfires burn in Canada in drier, warmer conditions made worse by climate change, combined with the buildup of fuel in the forests. There's no doubt that the climate is changing and it's caused by humans and it's happening at a pace uh, that is really playing out in our eyes. Erica Smithwick, director of Penn State's Earth and Environmental Systems Institute, does not think this week's event is one and done. We could see that happen again here on the East Coast. We also could see more fires happening in other parts of North America. I think it's safe, especially right now when you have one side that has a maximalist commitment to tearing down every norm. Uh, and uh, and law they don't like. So where does that put us? And by the way, why is it happening? I think it's happening because there are some people who find it easier to pick on really vulnerable young people than to explain why they voted no on money for roads and bridges. We've mobilized the world's leading emitters to help poor countries deal with the impacts of climate change. They called it the G7, the build back Biden, build back better. And we realized that got confusing. So now we don't call it that. What we call it is, here's the bottom line. Look, we're the ones that caused the problem. The United States, we cleared all our land. We did all the things that to make, our, make things more easy for us to make money. Well, we're going to win and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in in, in, in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. Right now, there's a podcast going on with two deranged lunatics. <laughs> Clearly, they have brain disease. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that everyone has brain disease, but we can help them with electroshock therapy. Double of jolts will fix them boys up good. And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 136 here on Thursday, June 15th. The Ides. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> one of the most I famous emperors of Rome. You wrote that in your memo, in, in the intro to your monthly memo. So. Oh, the Ides of the Ides of June. Yeah, no. Three. You said you said you might. You, what do you might as well hang it up? Perhaps it's time to retire. Point. Yeah, no. Three, three, <laughs> three months in a row. I have gotten the thing out on on the fifteenth of the month, which is like a major accomplishment because, like, the month two months before that, I was putting it out like three days into the following month, which was starting to get embarrassing. People were starting well, to ask me about it. We will uh, obviously, you'll obviously probably probably be pulling some things from your memo since uh, we have some subject matter that's similar. First of all, uh, I hope that everyone is feeling okay, that they made it through the horrible, horrific two or three days where they had to endure that which is uh, endured by many people in the West on an annual summer basis. Here on the East Coast, the Canadian wildfires. You okay, Mike? Did every did you make it? Is everything good? It was kind of messy. I will say that I went out the bad morning in DC. I went out and I did like I went, I went for a, a long walk. I went about three or four miles, and I thought this isn't bad. Then I went for a run, and I thought that isn't bad. But it did kind of wipe me out for the rest of the day. Yeah, I mean it's not fun or it's not great, but the coverage. Come on, it's like. Yes. It reminded me of Superstorm Sandy, right? Yes. Anytime anything happens to anybody in the in the like the media Amtrak corridor, the media, it's like the, the media crescent. Yeah, it's a thing, right? It's just crazy town. And then turns out, of tur- course, turns out turns out forests when you don't manage them burn. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, and this showed up in a couple places, but I want to plug Lou's uh, chart of the week uh, for this week. 
apparently the impact from the wildfires resulted in a roughly 50% drop in solar capacity in the, in the ISO region. Solar farms power in New England were producing 56% less energy at times of peak demand compared to the week before, according to the region's grid operator. Electricity generated by solar across the territory serviced by PJM, which spans Illinois and North Carolina, North Carolina uh, was down about 25% from the previous week. With a situation like this, it's really unprecedented in the Northeast, said Matt Hakley, a spokesman for ISO New England. We don't have a lot of historical data to look back on. There is some learning in real time. Here's the kicker. Solar accounts for about 3% of power generation in New England, except for when 50% of it is knocked out because of a weather event. Yeah, man. So how's that whole grid thing? How's that whole transition go coming along? Resource adequacy for everybody, baby. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. Thank you, Lou, for the chart of the week. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, I didn't want to... I didn't want to bring this Secretary Pete thing up, but I heard it once already on MSNBC, and I kind of let it go. Um, do you, is he what? Where? Where is he? Where? What world does this guy live in? That the Republicans are attacking children because they voted no on roads and bridges. Yeah, um, it, he's kind of sliding. He's he he. You know, he had slidden into irrelevancy. Now he's starting to slide even a little further into incomprehensibility. Sometimes you're just like, "What are you talking? What are you talking about?" I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Anybody who's driven through South Bend, Indiana, um, got to have some skepticism about this guy's capacity as a as an executive. Yeah, uh, and then Biden, of course, this past week was endorsed by all the big green ink. Uh, corporations, the LCVs and the Sierra Clubs had a big, a big show, and apparently we cleared all our land so we could make money. <laughs> you know that 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 whole thing was just just a train wreck. I, I golly, man, I, this is the president of the United States. I mean, yeah, you know, it did, but it, at least he's working. He's got a top secret plan to build a railroad from the Pacific. Across, All the way across the Indian Ocean. And a solar project in Angola. But, but he's I, off script, so... I got to stop talking. Yeah, yeah I, I... The top secret project we're working on. This is going to be... the. I, I don't know if this is going to be the best campaign ever, but I guarantee you this campaign is going to be the funnest. We're going to have the most quotes out of this campaign from both sides. But, yeah, but I think we'll have enough material to keep this... Keep, this, us, keep us laughing keep for a while. Keep these two deranged lunatics... <laughs> You know, talking so it, a little if, bit longer. If, oh my gosh, I was uh, so I I listened. Our friend Daniel turned me on to this podcast called No Agenda. Uh, it's a couple old cranky dudes who do kind of what we do. Uh, they they go uh, much longer, twice a week, uh, and they get real deep down in rabbit holes. But I heard that clip. And I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta pull that out from, from Mike that's, for this that's, week. That's, that's it. <laughs> we gotta we gotta figure out some way to include that like on every show because that somewhere in there is our tagline. That's right. That's right. Um, all right, what are announcements do you have this week? Anything? I don't have any announcements, I don't think. Okay. I just wanna wish a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. That's it. Nothing else. Really? Yes, sir. Happy Father's Day this weekend. Not a big fan of the not a big this... fan of Father's Day. This day in history, in oh boy. 18, this has got some oldies today. Yeah, so I'm going to get a chance to embarrass myself. Go ahead. 1844, uh, this what, day in June history. June 15th, 1844? Yes, yes. It is a an invention. Yeah, Colt, in Colt invented the handgun. No, that might be true, but that wasn't in my research. Charles Goodyear it, received a patent. To vulcanize the process rubber. of rubber vulcanization. Yeah, vulcanizing rubber, yeah. So, and we've been rolling ever since. I, I don't you like what I did there. I do. Thank you. Okay. In 1846. 1846. In 1846, on this day, we went to war with Mexico. No, 
No, we may have, but it wasn't in my notes. Go ahead. Uh, in, in this day in 1846, the United States and Britain sealed the deal for the Oregon Treaty, establishing the border between Canada and the United States at latitude 49 degrees north. So much for 5440 or fight. Yeah, that's go, it. Go yeah. ahead. And then, of course, in 1864, on this day... There's a battle of wilderness in Virginia. No, there was a taking. There was a, there was a legislative taking. Oh. Uh, Arlington <laughs> well, National Cemetery... I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm not, well, I'm not well, exactly sure how to say this the right way. Was, but... was established when 200 acres of Confederate General Robert E. Lee's estate in Virginia which had been seized by the U.S. government, was authorized for a national cemetery. Montgomery Meigs is a terrible person. That's all I'm going to say. Actually, that's not all I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is, is that I'm under the impression those entire four years were a taking at the point of a gun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, everyone always asks me, why is the South more conservative than the other regions? Here's why. Because we've experienced the help put that in quotes, of the federal government at close range. And you know what? The man born in New York. New York. I'm born in New York, but I live in the South voluntarily, um, like like a lot of New Yorkers, right? Um, anyway, yeah, long story short. I've heard that rumor, a lot of New Yorkers. Long story. Oh, my God. One guy tried to back up on the highway in front of me today. Anyway, long story short is we know what it is to be helped by the federal government, just like the Native Americans know what it is to be helped by the federal government. Just like the Japanese and the Germans know what it's like to be helped by the federal government. Everybody's like, why don't you boys just keep your help to yourselves? Sorry. All right. Um legislative taking. They started to plant guys <laughs> in his they started to plant people in his front yard to make sure he couldn't go home. That's exactly what they did. And Montgomery Miggs did that. He's a terrible person. All right. And then there were 13. 13. Breaking news this morning. Uh-oh. This is from Politico. Uh, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez oh, yeah. will publicly declare his candidacy for president today, yeah. becoming the 13th Republican candidate and third Florida man in the 2024 field. Yeah. <laughs> he made his, he made his uh, debut on Good Morning America. Um, let, let me let, just let me just. Let me just offer, he seems like a very interesting guy. His old man is a legend, was a legend, and he's dead now in Florida politics, right? He's the first Cuban mayor of uh, Miami, um, Javier Suarez, which I've always wanted that name, right? Javier Suarez. Um, he voted against DeSantis for governor in 2018. Yes, he, he voted, voted for Gillum. He also did not vote for Trump twice. Yes. I'm like, what? It What? Go ahead. I'm like, what party's nomination is he running for again? He's a Republican. No, that's what he is. He's going to he's going to tell his personal lean into his personal story according to Politico. His personal story is he's a rich wielding dude. it to underline his anti leftist bona fides. His his personal story he's a rich dude and the son of a politically connected guy in South. Where Florida. have you heard that before? What the hell? Have you ever heard of of a politically connected the son of a politically connected dude getting into politics? Yeah. It's so rare these I, days. I, you know, I mean, but at least most of them don't start off with "Let me tell you about how terrible it was being a boat person." I mean, like, dude, you, you, by the time you know, by the time you were born, your parents had made all the money. Your old man was on his way to being mayor. You're, you had a lot of juice for a guy. I, I, w I want to hear his story. I'm very interested in his story. Put that in quotes, right? So the, the editorial board uh, of the Miami Herald said, quote, as mayor with mostly ceremonial, ceremonial duties, duties. I know. Suarez does not have the gravitas or experience of his counterparts in the 2024 primary, but he could win without actually winning if he raises enough money to get a couple of viral sound bites at a presidential debate. Suarez might line up his next gig. Yeah, the Miami Herald's a good paper. I'm just going to, I'm going to say that and leave it there. Although it's kind of funny. They talk about the gravity of guys in the primary. And we're like, we got Asa Hutchinson for God's sake. I'm like, yeah. what kind of, how much, how much gravity could we really have? We're going to float away if we get anybody lighter. 
All right. So meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, uh, there was a CBS. Did you see this? It was mainly about Trump, but there was a CBS poll June 11th. And they asked some questions about uh, about the Democrats, too. One of them was, should Biden be running for reelection? Question mark. The Democrats split 58. 42. Yes, no. The independents split 25-75. Yeah. No, he should not be running. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Between that and the and the Greens all endorsing Biden, you think RFK Jr. is kind of pissed off right now? I mean, he's I mean, he was like one of the Greens for how many years, right? I think none of that's you know, none of that. The the, the environment, you Come on, man. The environmental community in D.C. is purely transactional. He just gave them $600 billion. Of course, they're going to endorse him. Um, That survey work's been done a bunch of times, right? And we keep coming up with the same number, right? 70, 75% of independents, 70, 75% of all voters don't want, don't want, um, don't want either of these guys, either of the front runners. I think. What you're seeing is Americans forget independent Democrats, Republicans. Americans look at President Biden, and they they pay attention to that clip, that clip that we just listened to, right? Oh and, yeah. And and they're worried, you know. They're like, hey, I get it. You know, he's 82, whatever he is. He's going to come in and out. Um, the problem is, is that you're afraid the guy's going to go out like during a nuclear crisis, right? It's at some fundamental level, people want competence more than anything else. And the two front runners give them no confidence that that either one of them is competent. So, you know, I, I say that I say that in part for my friends on the Ron DeSantis campaign. You know, you should you should pitch competence as part of the pitch, right? Because because unlike RFK, unlike Trump, President Trump, unlike President Biden, you know, you're accomplishmentous and you know what you're doing. Competence and COVID probably. I think you know. I think take I think some shots at him on that. Of too. course, I think Christie's gonna. I think that's what Christie's gonna gonna run on too. He's gonna say, "Hey, you know, of all these of all these goons up here, I'm probably the best. I'm most competent." And you know what? <laughs> he radiates competence. He is probably the most competent. All right, we're gonna put these obviously the link to the uh, the survey in the show notes. Yep. Well, let's move on to Trump. Indicted and arraigned. Uh, here is uh, Trump at uh, Bedminster on his way down to Miami. And then a, a short little analysis from Senator Marco Rubio. I'm not the one who thinks I'm above the law. I'm the one that followed the law. I'm the only one. It's Joe Biden and his corrupt Department of Injustice who think they are above the law. Never before have the two standards of justice in our country been more starkly revealed. Senator Marco Rubio of Florida is, uh, is here with us in the studio. How are you struck by what we're seeing play out again on the screens here? I think it's incredibly damaging to the country. Um, the whole, I can tell you for certain what the damage to the country already is of this indictment. Um, it's going to cause the, the judge is now being attacked. Excellent judge. The kind of people we want on the bench, she's going to be attacked. This the is credibility. Correct. The, the, the institutions of, of our important institutions like the DOJ, the FBI, the like, the, these documents of this nature don't belong at Biden's garage. They don't belong in Hillary Clinton's server. They don't belong at Mar-a-Lago. But there's no allegation here. Even if you read the indictment, nowhere does it say, and as a result, the national security of the United States was harmed in this way. Okay. And you have to weigh that with an indictment that now is going to put our country in a deep, already divided and polarized country in a really dangerous place. So Trump, is he right or wrong? Is this a, a two-tier justice system? Yeah, I mean, it. The, the guy was just indicted on 37 counts, essentially of mishandling classified materials, um, which, is, which is a crime, put that in quotes, which is a crime that both his predecessor and his, I'm sorry, both his successor and his vice president have copped to. Right, but they're not well, going. Not, they both yeah, got it. Stem, it goes all the way back. Well, but, I mean, but Joe Biden wasn't a, pre- a president. It doesn't matter at all. The documents that it doesn't has. matter. They they both cop to mishandling 
classified yeah. documents. And the exact same thing that this guy is gonna gonna be tried for, they've already admitted they're not in jail. They've received nothing in the way of pen, pen, punishment out of the justice system. And you know what? Forget those two guys. I'm willing to bet half a million guys probably mishandle classified materials every year. You know, you think about it, we probably have five, six, seven million guys who deal with classified materials in the United States government. I don't know of a single soul who handles them properly all the time. You know, and I've, I've been inside the bubble twice now in my life, and in neither occasion um, did everybody maintain um, maintain protocols. So anyway, so, that, Ru so Rubio. So, so, uh, so yeah, it, it, is this selective prosecution? You know it is. So Rubio, uh, I think, gave a fairly uh, good big picture analysis of, of of what's going on here. And, you know, it's to me, it's a question of how does this end? Where does it end? Where does this end? Th th they will not let him run again. That That's they want him to not run again. Is that where it is? Or they want him to run because they know that they're only way to win is if if he's the nominee yeah they want him to run this thing's going to go on for years and years and years there's going to be motions and blah 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 and you know the funny thing is it, if i were the president i would probably just say let's go to trial right now let's have it right now you know because i a i don't think this thing is going to legally survive the first judge the first judge who runs across is going to say there's just been a hell of a lot of prosecutorial misconduct so i'm throwing the whole thing out and it's certainly not going to survive a, a, a jury that's going to have to get impaneled in South Florida. I mean, you know, there's just no hope of that, right? So the media, of course, is already sort of framing this up as, well, it's a Trump judge. So if if she throws it out, then, of course, she threw it out because it's a Trump judge, which, it's okay. as, a, as Rubio alluded to, this is undermining our faith in the uh, justice system. It's undermining our faith in the judicial system. It is creating the situation where every, you know, everything should, everything is now sort of political suspect or question. Everything's, or everything's political. And you know what? In a world in which everything is political, you wind up with everybody being subject to a bill of attainder shortly, whether it's a judicial bill of attainder or some other bill of attainder, but it becomes against the law to be you. So and here's my question. Is this always been the case? We're just now more onto it? No. Or is this a recent phenomenon? This is a recent phenomenon. This is a recent phenomenon. Uh, you know, it 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 used to be. Here's here's the problem. Is, you know, the the fundamental problem is. Um, I'm trying to say this the right way. The people involved in the United States government, and I mean by that, by that I mean everybody, um, everybody, it are becoming dumber. They're becoming incapable of second order thought because a fellow, you know, a fellow like well. Joe Biden's not a good example, but a fellow like Merrick Garland, right? A fellow like Merrick Garland 50 years ago would have been smart enough to figure out, even if he wasn't committed to judicial impartiality, even if he wasn't committed to the concept of a neutrally good government, um, he would have been smart enough to figure out, you know what, if I throw these guys in jail on flimsy, on flimsy ticky-tack, you know, trumped-up charges, guess what? When they get back in charge... They're going to try to throw me in jail on flimsy, ticky-tack, trumped-up charges. That's the thing. Well, there could be betting that the Republicans lack the, that they, the ability, that, the courage, or no, the conviction to no, do something like no, that. No, nobody, nobody. And, and before, we've already dissected Merrick Garland's background. He's not. He's no, definitely he's, in the. He comes out of the Chicago Communist Party. Chicago yeah, 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 crowd. Yeah. yeah. So. He's part of the Mikva crowd. So he probably isn't a good example either. But I, but I understand what you're no, saying. No, no, no. See, even, even a guy like Obama wouldn't have done something like this because Obama's capable of second-order thought. But literally in the last 15 years, our capacity for intellectual um, rigor has vanished in public policy. You know what? You see it in Congress. I hate to say this. I hate to be these old guys. But most deranged of, lunatics. Yeah. yeah make sure, you, make sure you get the right, the right. What's the name of that guy that I like? That Joe Kressbackler. Yes. Yes. I'm going to become Joe Kressbackler shortly. It's a problem. It's a problem. I really worry about this Bill of Attainder problem, you know, where you basically become – it becomes against the law to be you. Um, and I guarantee you within a month – you're going to have some red state attorney general start to zero in on somebody on their side and do the same thing.
All right. Uh, meanwhile, Newsmax reports that Trump campaign has raised <laughs> a hair under seven million dollars since the indictment. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a nice clip, right? It's about a million bucks a day. It's you know, yeah. I assume that's above and beyond, you know, because they they that's probably their run rate anyway, right? They're par- they're probably raising about that much anyhow. I mean, yeah. So it it. So I, I think that the uh, I, I think I agree that there there is definitely a two tiered uh, system going on here right now. I I agree that uh, Trump would probably like why didn't he just let his lawyers do all this stuff? Why does he have to get involved in all of it? Is it just it's his personality or yeah, what? Yeah, man, he's bored out of his tree. He has nothing else to do. So I mean, think um, think about that's it. That's one thing. Like you know, Hillary at least she didn't like. She could she could claim like I just turned it over the This is a guy. Game. This is a guy. It's a guy who plays golf. <laughs> plays golf. Which what does that tell you? When somebody can play golf on the routine, what it tells you is they're not busy people. They they're out on the links four hours a day. They have golf. They lunch. They they're like they're like ladies who lunch, except they play golf in front of lunch. Anytime guys anybody who golf. guys who golf guys who golf lazy lunch. And, All right, so. What I, last thing I was going to say is I do I, I read him. I don't usually like re- read these kind of things, but I read this in particular. I thought it was interesting. Um, this is all Espionage Act stuff. This isn't even Presidential Records Act stuff. No, that's right. It's a, so it's a, I'm not sure how this is going to end. Like I said, I know how I it's going to end. I don't think it's going to be very. Um, it's going to get tossed by the first judge that sees yeah. it, and they're going to get caught in motions and counter motions. And the great thing is for the Democrats. It's gonna be a it's gonna be mood music for the next twelve months. So right, and and of course, uh, CNN can go back to being like the the Trump channel because Chris Licht is gone, and uh, you know again they covered the the motorcade. You know, like it's just the like media the is just between yeah. the climate stuff and this stuff. I don't even like. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an abject lesson in the Chris Lick thing, and it's this. When a reporter as good as Tim Alberta calls you up and says he wants to follow you around for a couple of months, say Don't no. Don't do it. Right. Say no. It's a simple thing. Isn't Just, that what they did with uh, Woodward and Trump? Let Woodward yes. He gave him walk access. all over him. He gave yeah. him access to the Oval and the entire West Wing, and he wandered around, and he talked to everybody. And at the moment, I remember thinking, what idiot let that happen? <laughs> yeah. All right, McCarthy versus Freedom. Yay! I'm in favor of freedom. Literally, but McCarthy versus the Freedom Caucus. Apparently, we have reached an agreement um, with the conservatives, and and thankfully for Steve E., uh, they have moved moved forward and and passed the gas stove ban finally. But I guess what the the floor, uh, what the agreement was, was that the um, appropriations uh, committee will actually do that which they didn't get passed they're going to try into law uh I, I, in the debt ceiling bill but they will push uh fy24 spending bills at fy22 levels that's right uh at a cut of about a hundred what a hundred billion something like that more right. uh more yeah, it's, um, it's a rebaselining it it's it's pretty straightforward it, it, yeah i explained it to a reporter who was on me about it yesterday this way um you know, whatever you think about the Fiscal Responsibility Act, and I got my skepticism about it, but um, it was a step, right? Yeah. It was progress. And now there's- I agree. And, and what's going to happen here is the Senate's going to jam the House, right? Yep. But you know what? They're going to have to give them something. And it's going to be a yeah, step. Yeah, no, look. I, it, you know, instead of throwing their hands up and saying, oh, we tried, we're back to business as usual, they're staying on it. And like you said, exactly. they're not going to get everything, but they might get a little bit more and they might get a little bit more. And hopefully that becomes infectious well, in that place, right? Uh, that they don't give up and they keep pressing forward because that's right. how you get good deals. So you get when you start out with a stronger negotiating position. That's right. And what I what I told the reporter, I think he's a little surprised. I'm like, look. The difference between these guys and the last generation of conservatives is these guys have read Saul Alinsky's rule for ra- rules for radicals. And one of the one of the threads that runs through that instruction manual is take wins where you can get them. 
don't don't let thank the, you don't you know don't let the whole become you know, don't let the the parts become the enemy of the whole so, so let me let me give you a specific example sure. of that a couple of years back they tried to do this and the first bill that came to the floor i think it was interior probes and they got hung up over f- confederate flag amendments yeah sure killed the entire bill yep never brought it back to the floor and there was a there were several examples of that for each bill they tried to bring down to the floor on an individual basis where they couldn't can, couldn't get final passage because they didn't they refused and this was by the way your buddy Meadows was running the show at the time but they refused to give on a couple of things and so the result was what it has always been which is get rolled in a in a in an end of the year omnibus with the threat of a government shutdown so you're, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100%, but I'm sort of cementing that with that example. As I'm like, why are you doing this to yourselves? You are creating the mess that which you claim to hate. So anyway. it it Take your wins. Take take whatever piece of pizza they're going to give you and come back for the rest. It It's 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 a steady state feature of the, of the landscape now. I'm excited about it. Anyway. So back to uh, back on the Republicans a little bit, and this is um, uh, this article caught my eye this morning in the Wall Street Journal from Brody Mullins, who, gosh, I remember when he was twelve years like, old. I think he started with the Hill or something. Yeah, right? I haven't I haven't talked to him in ages. Anyways, the the headline is how Republicans and big business broke up. Republican lawmakers accusing. CEOs of skewing left have become less dependent on corporate PAC money than at any time in the past three decades. Quote from Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, gone are the days that Republicans are going to sit on the sidelines as big behemoths take advantage of the American people, said Senator Blackburn. We're going to hold them accountable, she added. So McCarthy has lived through the cycle in the 2016 election that swept Trump to the House. Pro-business groups saw an ally in the Republican uh, from California's conservative-leaning ag heartland. More than 40% of the money given to his re-election campaign that year came from business PACs. By 2022, when a Republican tide elevated McCarthy to speaker, the corporate money pipeline was dwindling, accounting for less than 3% of his campaign funds. And the, the whole story goes on to break down the numbers and, and just this this cratering uh, uh, support from business packs for Republicans. Yeah, an increase in individual small dollar. Now that's the the actual trend that's happening, you know, across the board, right? But but this is interesting and and I think very healthy for the Republican Party. Eventually, eventually. Do do, do you want my counter story? Fire away. Four United States senators who identify as Republicans, uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator Murkowski, Senator Kramer, and Senator Cassidy. Want to uh, tax carbon. Just joined with five Democrats. I refuse to call Angus King an independent. You caucus with the Democrats. Just sack up and call yourself a Democrat. Yeah. Um, with five Democrats uh, to require Team Biden to do a study of basically how to impose a carbon tax on people. Um, through the tariff process because they can't get it through Congress like a regular like a regular tax. So for every good sign during transition, this actual transition um, of you know Republicans to a working class party, you get stuff like this where basically senators are responding to pressure from not even pressure, are responding to the wishes of American exporters. Um, and American companies who want some protection, right? Um, yeah. So, and 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 you know what? The hell with the fact that this stuff's going to be regressive. The hell with the fact it's going to damage the economy. The hell with the fact that it's going to make everything that's made or moved or heated or cooled or grown more expensive. They don't care about any of that stuff because that's what the people are going to have to suffer through. The important thing here for the senators, for Senators Kramer, Cassidy, Graham, and Murkowski is they don't want their pals in the business community to suffer. And I want everybody to um, reflect on that. Anytime you think the Republicans are getting healthy, just remember there's always something like this going on. <laughs> well, you always have to discount at least four to six Republican senators at any given moment. Yeah, but you know, I didn't expect Kramer was going to be one of the bad ones, which I, that's my fault, right? Expectations are what kill you here. Yeah. 
Well, you actually uh, were, that was a good segue. Cause I was going to bring that up in, in the energy section. Um, so <laughs> see, see, and I wanted to bring it up in the Republicans can be idiots section. So, well, sometimes they're one and the same, but right, right. in this case, all right. So in other energy news, it turns out that secretary Jenny wasn't, Oh, exactly truthful when she said oh, that she didn't own any boy individual stocks in in the types of things that she's promoting at the department of energy yeah this from e and e news uh nico portuando energy secretary jennifer granholm revealed friday that she held financial stocks as recently as may contradicting testimony she gave to a Senate committee earlier this year. In a letter shared with e e News and sent to the committee, she also revealed her spouse held a previously undisclosed investment in Ford Motor Company, an automotive brand that falls squarely in her jurisdiction. Graham told the Energy and Natural Resource Committee in April that she didn't own any individual stocks. Okay, hold on. For, hold, that, hold that thing for a second. Read that sentence again. In the letter, or Grant Granholm told the told the Energy and Natural Resource yep. Committee at an April twenty budget hearing. In an April twenty not, budget hearing, April twenty budget hearing. Go ahead. She didn't own any individual stock, saying she was only invested in mutual funds. She also said she would not object to congressional legislation that would ban executive department officials from holding stocks. I mistakenly told the committee that I did not own any individual stocks. Took her six whereas weeks. I should have said. That I did not own any conflicting stocks, and, 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 and the fact that the fact the fact is that Ford's a conflicting stock. It took her six weeks to correct the record. Yes. Keep in mind, this is not the first time Secretary Granholm's had this problem, right? If you remember, yes. at the top of the administration, she got tangled up because she had Proterra stock and would not um, divest herself of it. It took her like a six months longer than it was supposed to, right? Than, than she had promised to. This is. Um, this is pretty serious, and Senator Hawley seems pretty upset about it. Senator Hawley's on uh, on a really good jag with 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 questioning the the sort of behaviors of these uh, of these not you know non elected bureaucrats. It's a so. it's a it's a um. First off, I'm probably the least the person least aware of my own holdings. I mean, I literally pay no attention to them. I don't even know my password. Um, as as my my fund told me earlier this week, I don't even know my password, and I didn't want a username either, and wasn't going to tell me either one. So, but I'm just not looking. It's <laughs> impossible it going down. <laughs> it's impossible to believe that that you you get to an age and you don't know that you don't hold individual stocks. Yeah. It's just that's that's not believable, and I think that's what Holly is sawed off about it, especially Ford, right? Usually the former governor of Michigan, odds are pretty high. She's fully aware of how much Ford stock she owns. The good news is, of course, Ford is coming over to our side, so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, go ahead. I hope so. Uh, anyway, okay, so here's one. UK <laughs> believes in coal again. Yeah. It's from Bloomberg. Uh, Drax in talks with UK Grid to restart two coal units next winter. Government asked National Grid to explore extending reserve contingency supply may be needed on cold, windless days. So apparently, uh, coal sucks unless you actually need to keep the lights on. Yeah. Come on, man. Don't be that guy. What? Energy, Coal's back, baby. Energy is transitioning. Get with it. Get with it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Get All with right. It. Well, he, here's another one that sort of. I don't know. Got me a little. Got me a little upset. Biden. Uh, this is from Fox News. Biden administration greenlights Chinese EV battery factory in Michigan, despite local opposition. Chinese-backed company Gotoin says it has been quote transparent and accountable with the federal government. Uh, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. and Interagency Task Force, overseen by Treasury and tasked with reviewing foreign investments that may pose a national security threat, determined that Gotoin's proposed facility was not covered 
real estate transaction or purchase under the Defense Production Act. We voluntarily submitted all the needed documents to the Treasury Committee on Foreign uh, Investment to be transparent and accountable to receive the response that it's not a covered transaction. So Biden is greenlighting Chinese-owned companies to satisfy his green dreams. Well, in all fairness, and I say this every time, I'm going to keep saying it, in all fairness, um, Republicans have yet to ban TikTok. Don't call me until you ban TikTok. That's the easy thing. It's a low-hanging fruit. I mean, I get it. You know, the, the administration's got its own China problems, but so do the Republicans. Everybody does. We should call them out. Like once a, once a week, we should just have this, our China section. I'd be busy. All right. All right. So uh, Chinese battery company infiltrates local Michigan town. Uh, here's another one again from Wall Street Journal. This is a little bit old because we ran out of time uh, last week. Actually, we didn't run out of time. I had to go somewhere. Um, Toyota boss faces pushback over EV strategy in shareholder vote. Toyota's annual meeting this year has turned into a showdown over the merits of longtime leader Akio Toyoda electric uh, electric vehicle strategy, which has become more cautious than some of his other automakers. Shareholders, including, here we go, New York's city comptroller's office, California PERS, public employee retirement system, and a handful of European asset managers... <laughs> say they have voted or plan to vote to oust several Toyota directors, including Toyota, which isn't going to happen from their board seats. Here's the quote, though. Here's the money quote. Toyota is failing, Toyota is failing to lean like its peers into a timely transition to an electric fleet, said Brad Lander, the New York City Comptroller. We want to be persuaded that there is a transition underway and that they'll take meaningful steps towards an all EV commitment. Yeah. Um, New York, California, and Europe. I was going to, I get two, I get two. Just, go ahead. Leave me alone. I got, I got, I got <laughs> like, two. You like, you like being like you like being, just stay where you are and leave me alone. I got I'm two. So tired of those I get two thoughts. You want them both? You got it. Okay. First off, I'm not sure old Brad there, Brad Landers, probably from Brooklyn or Queens or more likely some god awful place like Westchester. Old Brad there. I'm not really sure all of his peer group are really leaning that way. In the last couple of days, in the last week, we've had the Ford Motor Company guy, right, Chris Farley's cousin, get up and say, yeah, you know, EVs might not be for everybody, so we're just going to keep on making some cars here. <laughs> well, in general, specifically, he said, well, if you, if you drive a truck for a living, it's probably not the car for you. And but if you have two cars already, take you one. might be a candidate. Yeah. And then General Motors just announced yesterday that they had no intention of closing their actual profitable factories that make um, real cars, that make the, the gas-fired and diesel-fired cars and trucks. They're going to keep those open for at least, in GM's words, 10 or 12 more years. I'm like, well, 12 years takes you to 2035, which is when the Biden guys want you guys all to be electric. So what you're telling me is you're going to run that factory right up till the end. So that's thing one, right? That old Brad here might not be right. Thing two is, and this is a serious thought. I don't know why people aren't doing it. It's probably time to, you know, if, were I a corporate chieftain, and I'm, I'm never going to be a corporate chieftain, but were I a corporate chieftain, I would think very seriously about taking companies private. This, 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 this ESG nonsense and having your company run by, in whatever amount, however partially, yeah. having your company run by a bunch of uh, pensioners and pension fund guys who don't know anything, I'm sorry. I'd just be like, you know what? Let's raise some money. Let's take it private. Let's buy these guys Maybe out. Maybe that's how we fix this whole thing. It's the Maybe only that's way to do it. Our cars coalition should do is it's the only way to do it. Encourage yep. these guys to go up, go underground and and tell the government to pound sand. It's the only it's the only way to solve the ESG problem too. The ultimate well, isn't going to stop the World Economic Forum. Lay it on me. Wall Street Journal reported this. I'm guessing they they, they got it from us because we we dug this up a couple weeks ago. How about the Davos crowd? First, give up their private jets. If the World Economic Forum has its way, the number of cars around the world will be reduced by 75% by 2050. 
The goal is buried in a briefing paper released last month called the Urban Mobility Scorecard Tool, benchmarking the transition to sustainable urban mobility. It points out that more than two-thirds of the world's population will be urban by 2050 if we are to meet their needs and achieve the climate goals of the Paris Agreement. The report recommends electrification, public transport, and shared mobility. That will mean fewer cars, quote, reduced vehicles from a potential 2.1 billion to 0.5 billion. So, boom, we've been talking about it. I was gonna, right? I was, I was gonna say, I don't, I don't know how to say this the right way. So, I'm probably just gonna say it. Um, we were right, and everybody who kind of looked at us a little sideways on it, you guys are wrong. The whole purpose of this exercise is to is to um basically outlaw cars make make cars make cars make fewer cars for fewer people that's it the, the world economic forum they're coming for your cars baby good good for them i hope they succeed that way we, uh, you know that we can make it, those of us who own cars can make money on them cuz they'll be valuable I got one more in the uh two more quick ones in the in the energy space i know i've got a lot of stuff this week Forbes says California's $100 billion electric bullet train will be fully solar powered. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> so, you, I mean, they can promise everything they want at this point because this train's never going to happen. So m- uh, why not make it solar powered, uh, right? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure there are some of you who are not subscribed to the pipeline, <laughs> but you should be because at least once a day, it'll make you laugh out loud. And the oh, headline, man. the headline in the pipeline of, over this one was, "Hey, if you're going to have an imaginary train, you might as well have an imaginary power source." Yeah, and by the way, thanks to Kamala, you can charge your cell phone in it too, right? So, the, you know that train, that train which started off as of San Francisco to L.A. is now what Bakersfield to Modesto, no, Fresno or Merced. I Merced think. is it Bakersfield yeah. or Merced? I mean, basically, it used to be something cool. Now it's just like. Little lettuce express in the middle of the valley. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, now it's going to be solar power, which is good because when that that finally gets built, then um, Biden can work on his train to the Indian Ocean. So that's your. Story. I got one more, and this was just a little bit weird. I thought it was. I'm. I don't know if I'm nervous about it or. This is from Bloomberg, also BGov. Uh, Daniel Moore, uh-huh. who covers FERC, but in my opinion, not very well. The energy department will move quickly to deliver in incentives to the private sector to develop clean energy tech before the Biden administration's first term ends, said David Crane, the agency's first ever undersecretary for infrastructure, yeah. shortly after he was sworn in to the position on Wednesday. And here's the quote. It puts us all on a war footing. Crane said during a talk at the Bipartisan Policy Center in Washington. The government is so fast moving. The government, I believe, is moving at a private sector speed, Crane said. So let's put up or shut up. I I know this guy's pretty competent. I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that he's not successful because their goal is to spend billions of dollars in the 402 days that are left in the Biden administration. Yeah. So David Crane is in fact competent. He's a competent executive and all that good stuff. But um, by now he must understand that the Department of Energy is not a utility. It's not even a utility, I should probably say. It's not a startup. It's not a utility. It moves at its own speed. And if you don't like it, whether you're the secretary or the undersecretary or an observer or whatever, you can go to hell because the bureaucracy moves at their speed. And yeah, you, you, the you, whole war footing thing is just I, disturbing what, whatever. to me. Whatever, you know. Look, it, it, it's crazy. These people are nuts. It's it's you know we we are part of several lost generations that are seeking our wars. So we we kind of say stuff like that instead of yeah. you know just holding our tongue. You should probably, All right. probably let it be. Any energy, any any other energy news from you? Uh, now you brought up the carbon tax stuff, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, um, nope, that's it for me on the energy side, I think. All right, good. I've got one for you. Um, 
This is also from the Wall Street Journal from a couple of days ago. We won't have George Soros to kick around anymore, but fortunately for us, we have his, quote, more political 37-year-old son. So old George is handing the reins of his $25 billion philanthropic enterprise to Alex Soros, the son, the playboy, the... the uh, what is your line about uh, our children <laughs> that we don't say out loud, but we know is true? That they're all basically incompetent, hopeless, not bright. So fortunately for us, uh, and he quotes uh, about his father, we think alike, the elder uh, uh, Soros said with while embracing some different causes. Yeah, he wants to he wants to he wants to help us all understand gender identity and um yeah. something else I forget. Voting rights, abortion rights, gender equity. Uh, yeah. I'm more political, Alex said, compared with his father. How can you be more political? Seriously. Yeah. Than George Soros. I just I just want so, to I just want to point out that, you know, I have a solution for this problem. I have I have a I solution. Know. Nobody wants to talk after, about it. After the $999,999. We just take everything. Take everything, ladies and gentlemen, starting with the first dollar after your billion. We take everything. You you and Bernie are going to start a movement. You know what? We'll, but we'll, we'll name an aircraft carrier after you for you guys who have like some some issues with your manhood. Speaking of movements, have you seen i guess i guess the supreme court's gonna take up whether or not you can tax unrealized gains did you did you catch that i, I guess it's gonna come up in I the did. next uh that should be an interesting either put the final uh death knell in that silly notion and or open up a whole new pandora's box right i guess i don't know so right I, right now i'm just thinking about how do you how do you close off a 25 billion dollar foundation and i have one simple answer take the money yeah, fortunately, uh, he's a hip hop fan and a New York Jets devotee. So <laughs> that's, in the, that's in the. So he might as well just glowing bio of Alex. Might as well just paint L on his forehead. Jets fan, a Jets barely, fan. Barely. Early on, Alex barely spoke up in meetings and was best known for his high flying social life, gorgeous models, NBA pals, and hide and seek at his mansion. Welcome to the lavish life of investor George Soros's Playboy son, said one DailyMail.com headline in 2016. So, oh, passing the baton. Yeah, that's great. That's great. We're going to be run by a Jets fan. The, the, All right, did the, you the, catch the, the idiot child of a billionaire who's a Jets fan? That's that's our leadership for the next generation. Did you catch this this week? Uh, Novak Djokovic won his 23rd Grand Slam. Uh, he's what the French Open. He's what a tennis player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's I'm player. sorry. He's the one who refuses to be vaccinated. Oh, okay. So he's a tennis so. player then. Yeah, he's a tennis player. Should I say you that know, just one more time? Don't care, dude. Didn't, no, don't care. I don't, don't care. care. No, it's I care about sports, but it's a little just bit like tennis. it's a little bit like caring about the Jets. Okay, I mean, so it's not my really wife, sports. My wife and I actually saw him in like the very. This dates me, but. The very one and only U.S. Uh, U.S. Open I attended, he was. This was the first uh, one that he, uh, as a pro, as, as he qualified to, to play in, and he did really well. So we, we were like, "Hey, that guy's got talent. He's going to go someplace." I mean, but who doesn't have talent right now? I have no idea. That would be the New York Yankees. Yeah, they're fine. We haven't talked about them in a while, we're but I'd gonna, like to. We're not going to either. No, I'd like to just give you a couple of numbers. Okay. I'd like you to try to guess which which uh, professional ball player has that average. Yeah, one thirty. Oh, I don't know. That'd be Josh Donaldson. Oh yeah, should have guessed that. One ninety. Uh, one uh, two thirty six. Let's go two thirty six. Oh, any one of those. Lemay, who's probably hitting two. That's DJ. Good yeah. guess. Two twenty two. Mike Stanton. Yep. And uh, let's see. I give you another random sample. One ninety-two. That's that poor kid Volpe. Yeah, the the phenom Anthony Volpe. Uh, so, he seems like a nice kid, but he probably need another year at the minors. Yeah, uh, there is one 
there's one player, a guy named McKinney. I don't even I didn't even know there was Billy a guy McKinney, McKinney yeah. on the deep. I don't know. The who's only... got a, a average over three hundred on this entire squad. Yeah, the only reason I the only reason I know any of this stuff is because I actually watched like three innings at a game last night. Yeah. And I was like, who are who are these guys? It it you know what? It's a little bit like tennis. It's pretty hard to care about at this point. <laughs> Well, they are firmly uh, square in third place, nine games behind the Rays, and the Orioles are five games behind. And if it's a hell of an achievement, hell of an achievement for the fourth highest payroll in a game. Season ended today. They they would maybe barely squeak into the wild. Card. The season so. ended today. Everyone would be happy. Let me tell you my tennis story. I I got a tennis story. You want to hear it? Yeah, fire it up. Yeah. So my my senior year at school, right? I, I went to school in Philly. Um, there was like the like there always is the New York the, the U.S. Open was up in New York right up in uh, up in the World's Fair grounds at the, in Flushing right Flushing Meadows and so we just like we were hey let's go up and see something right so we went up and of course that day also the Cubs were at Shea Stadium and Rick Sutcliffe was pitching so the car had like two guys in it who want to go to the Open and two guys in it who want to go to Shea ultimately the four of us went to Shea. <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> and watched it and you know and, and that's my tennis story i went to you I, w- know, I went to shay steen and watched rick sutcliffe he 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 blanked the mets he, he blanked the mets and he hit a double and they won i think four nothing i have never been i never made it to shay you didn't miss that. anything you didn't miss anything Although City Field isn't all that great either. I've never been to City Field. Man. It reminded me of like a corporate office. The, the only good thing about Shea the was... Outside of it, it was like an old corporate office building. That's what it is. That's the only, my take on it. The good thing about Shea is when we sat in, we sat in the right row. We got in the top row. Um, you, you basically, if you got bored with the game, you could turn around and look at the skyline of Manhattan. That's it. And I pointed out... I, I spent the game pointing out the various places where I'd lived because you could see the Bronx and Queens too. And you could basically see every place I had lived, including the hospital I was born in. So... So I have a little bit of breaking news. I tentative, it's tentative right now. Yeah. But by the end of this summer, I could have hit my bucket list of visiting all oh, major 30? league parks. What do you got yeah. left? You got you got Arizona left, right? I got Miami left. Oh, Miami's easy. Just fly on down there and go. Yeah, that's that's the plan. We're, hey. I'm I'm working on it. I'm yeah. working okay. on it. So right. after that, I can retire. So all right. All right, um, I've got two more and then a closer. So, do you do you have anything before I? These are real quick. I got one more. So, do your two things and then I'll do mine and then you can close. No, do yours and I'll. Do no, mine. no, no. Do your two things and then I'll close. No, I'll do one. You do one. I got to do the last one because it goes right into the closing clip. Go ahead. All right. So, this is from Men's Health. This was very interesting. Um, vegan men fart seven times more than non-vegan study finds. If you recently switched to a vegan diet or share a bathroom with someone who has, you'll be all too familiar with the pitfalls of going plant-based. New research has confirmed what you already knew. Men who follow a mostly vegan diet fart seven times more than those who follow a predominantly meat-based diet. So listen, all you vegans, you are contributing to climate change. So if I were you, I would... Start hitting the barbecue. Yeah, it's not a that's not a life cycle assessment I'd like to do. <laughs> All right, what's yours? Um, uh, I want to. Uh, I got to think about how I want to say this for a second. I want to thank um, one of our listeners, um, Shannon. Um, she has been uh, kind enough to encourage me to write a couple of things over the years in columns. Um, one of which. Uh, actually, a couple of which won awards uh, from the Virginia Press Association and from the D.C. chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists. So I'm a, I am an award-winning um, journalist now. Um, and, oh man! And I wanted you're welcome. And I wanted to I, I wanted to I wanted to thank um, I want to thank Shannon and I want to thank Chris Dolan over at the Times and uh, I want to thank my editor. Um, so now we have to Kelly add Sadler, that to your title to the Kathy honorable Gaynor. Michael McKenna, yeah. award-winning journalist and lunatic podcaster. My yes, my my point my point in mentioning this is is that um, nobody does anything by themselves, really. Right, you, you, you. That is true. You know, I, I, owe, I owe gratitude to a lot of people, 
Um, and I just wanted to say that. So that's my thing. What's your thing? What's your, what's your good. next? Here's one thing? more. Here's one more. This was uh, breaking news this morning. Bud Light loses its title. Yeah. Modelo. Modelo. As America's top selling beer, uh, Modelo Especial. The Mexican lager brewed near Mexico City by Constellation became the top-selling beer in May, overthrowing Bud Light for the top spot it has held for more than two decades. For four weeks ending on June 3rd, Modelo captured 8.4% of the U.S. retail beer sale, with Bud Light falling to second place with 7.3%. Uh, dollar sales were equally Equally grim for Bud Light during that period, with sales falling 24.4%, while Modelo's grew 12.2%. And the trend doesn't look to turn in Bud's favor, the firm said. Yeah, you can't you can't treat your customers like you don't like them and then expect them to like you. That's just the way the world is, guys. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, they're still doing all right. They're still making money. They're making man, money. What, but a, what a turnaround that they're is. Making, huh? They're making money, but there's a bunch of people in the bonus pool who aren't going to make numbers this year. So Yeah, 100%. And that leads me to our close. Producer, hit play for me. As Commander-in-Chief, I was proud to have ended the ban on transgender Americans, transgender Americans serving in the United States military. So the Commander-in-Chief was proud. To end the ban on transgender Americans. I thought he said transistor Americans for a second. Transgester. Good Lord. And that's it. We're done. And we are, in fact, done in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that's a wrap. Happy Father's Day, episode 136 in the books. Namaste. Hey.